welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Thanks very much, guys. So it's cool being the guy to get up to the jamming music. Normally I'm the one doing the jamming, so... Awesome. Morning, everybody. How are you? Well, you're all sitting in the dark. Matt, can we get some lights on? That'd be great. Thanks, mate. So, uh, yeah, for those of you that don't know me, which you might not because it's been a while since, uh, since I was up here. I've, I think it's probably been about a year, actually, since I've been up here. So there might be people that haven't heard me speak. There's probably people that don't even know who I am. So uh, my name is Josh, as Glenn said. Spoiled that surprise. Uh, and I'm 34. Uh, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Liz. She told me like five times this morning, you better say something nice about me while you're speaking. So there you go. That's legit true. Uh, we've got three kids. Uh, Jess is six, Harrison is five, and Darcy is three. And uh, we all live on a 10-acre lifestyle block out in Swananoa, literally next door to Jared, who is my younger brother, in front of my mum, and then in front of my sister. So it's a veritable Van Burkle Vale sort of thing going on out there. And uh, we homeschool, and I work from home quite a lot too, so it's getting freaky. Uh, And as Glenn said, we have been uh, on the leadership team for the last couple of years, along with Peter and Lynn, and uh, also with Edwards. And I've now been at this church for 15 years. 15 years. I started coming when I was 19. I met my wife here. Uh, I was here for five years, and then we got married. We moved away because work took me around the country. I was away for five years. Came back in 2011, so it's been five years on, five years off, five years on. And I'm hoping that trend stops there because I don't want to go away. I'm really, really excited about where we're heading in 2017. You know, it's an absolute privilege to be in this church, to be a part of the leadership team. I was in this church when Peter and Lynn were pastors. I was in this church when Chris and Ruth were pastors. And obviously, I'm still in the church now that Glenn and Deb are pastors. And all of those guys brought their own flavor, their own way of doing things. But I have never been as excited as I am about where this church is going as I am right now. And it's because Glenn and Deb, you guys are doing such a good job. Like the vision that you are carrying for this church, uh, we are in such good, good hands. Uh, Lynn, I was thinking about you yesterday. I was driving through town. You guys have been through the roadworks around John's Road, around the airport. Like, it's been working on that road forever. Uh, I was driving through there, and you just popped into my head. I was actually thinking how good you are at taking notes, and I'm terrible at taking notes, and I'm terrible at writing sermons. This is my whole sermon, like this five or six lines, and what happens is I've got really good short-term memory, not so great long-term memory, so I can memorize my whole message, and then like a week later, I couldn't tell you what I talked about, and I thought, I bet you if I went to Lynn, she'd have notes of all my messages from like the last 10 years or so. I should probably grab them off her because I don't know what I've got. Uh, But I was thinking about how good you were at taking notes, and you just, this thing popped into my head, and you can take it or leave it, but I got the sense that there was something coming that was so different to anything that you've done before, like a brand new start in a field that is so left field from anything you have ever experienced or ever thought that you would be doing. And I got this picture of an arrow going straight ahead and then taking a hard left and just fanging it on like a 90-degree like angle. And I was like, that's a weird picture. And then I looked up, and I was kind of going, not that I wasn't looking up while I was driving, that's not very safe, but I kind of realized what I was doing as I went around this roundabout, and there was a sign right in front of me, and it had an arrow going straight up, and then next door it had an arrow going up, and then just banging to the left on a 90-degree angle. And it said, get in lane. 
And I just thought, like, it felt to me, and you can take it or leave it, that God was saying, look, if you want to, you can just keep going straight, and you can just keep doing what you've always done, and that's going to be awesome, and you're going to go into great things, but there is an opportunity coming that is going to just take you totally in a new direction, and there's no wrong choice. Like, you can choose which lane you want to get into, and both are great. So you can take that or leave it. Maybe I just saw a road sign, and... That's all that it was, all right? But if, if you end up going and becoming like a pilot or something, I'll be like, mm, yeah, that was me. So we have been camping around the theme of uh, Stronger for the last term, and this morning is the last Sunday that we're talking about this, so I have the uh, responsibility and the privilege of, of wrapping this thing up and putting a bow on it. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 10. If you don't have your Bibles then what the heck? Like, this is church. Like, let's bring our Bibles to church. I was thinking about it the other day. There's plenty of reasons to bring your Bible to church, but I reckon there's at least three great reasons to bring your Bible to church. Number one, you just look like a better Christian. Like, seriously, if you're sitting in a row full of people and I said, pull out your Bible, and you pull out your Bible, and you look to your left and you look to your right, and no one else has got their Bible, you know you look like the best Christian in the row, right? So that's a great reason to bring your Bible. I'm standing up here, I can see, I'm judging all of you. I'm not really. Second great reason to bring your Bible to church is that sometimes, and this doesn't happen here, but maybe in previous churches that you've been to, uh, or if you're listening on the podcast, you go to a different church, sometimes you will get a preacher who is so boring. Have you ever been in a church service where you're just like praying, Jesus, come back now, because this person is so, that happens, that's happened to me, not here. But in the past, it's happened to me. And uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> do you, is there any accountants in this room? Any accountants at church? I'll tell you an accountant joke. It's kind of like this lady goes to the doctors, and she's not feeling that well. And the doctor does all these tests, and he says, look, I'm really sorry, but you've only got three months to live. And she says, oh, no, three months, that's, that's terrible. Like, what can I do? And he said, look, my professional opinion and advice is that you go out and you marry an accountant. And she says, marry an accountant? Well, is that going to help me live past three months? And he says, well, no, but it'll feel like forever. <laughs> Ever been in a church service like that? Where you're just like, this thing is never going to end. Well, if you've got your Bible, you can just open your Bible up and you can just start reading right in the middle of the service. Now, people frown upon you if you pull out a Woman's Weekly and just start flicking through that, pull out a John Grisham novel and just get engrossed in that. But you can pull out your Bible and you can read whatever you want and people just think you're being Spiro. So it's all good. The uh, third reason you want to bring your Bible to church, I've never seen this done, but I'd love to see it done. Don't do it to me this morning. But let's say that someone got up to preach and they were just way off base. They were preaching so wrong. I cannot think of a better way for you to get your point across than to just stand up and just throw your Bible at them. Like, right, what a great way to express your feelings. And everyone else in church would be like, oh, oh. But if you're on your iPad or your iPhone, you can't throw that. And if you walk up in front of everyone and just put it on the stage and walk off, everyone's going to have no idea what's going on. That's not nearly as effective. So let's try and get into the habit of bringing our Bibles to church. I reckon that would be awesome. Makes us look better for all the guest speakers that come in too. They see all these Bibles pull out. It's like, yeah. Because you know, guest speakers come in, they do like four or five churches. We want to be the best. So Bibles are good. Uh, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Oh, I already did it. Oh, this is nifty. Yeah. Finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is a cool verse. Right? This is a tough verse. This is a, what a great verse to wrap up a series about stronger. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's one of those verses that looks awesome when you read it in your Bible. But when you take it out of your Bible and you try and say it to someone, just in everyday conversation, it sounds really weird. Like if Mitch were having a bad day, having a grumpy week or whatever, and he was struggling, and he was like, oh, Josh, bro, I'm just so struggling. And I was like, Mitch, that's how he talks. That was banging Mitch. Um, if he said, I'm just so struggling, and I said, bro, just be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Mitch would be like, what does that mean? Like, that's what I would be like. I'd be like, what? Like, that's singularly not helpful at all because it doesn't actually give me anything to do. Just be something. How do I just be something? It's kind of like my wife, Liz, is perfect. I actually think she's perfect. I'm doing a good job, right? Yeah. She's perfect. There's only one thing that is wrong with Liz, and that is that at some point in our marriage, we've been married for 10 years, but at some point, she stumbled across the dumbest question you can ask in the history of the world. And she will ask me that every now and again. And every time she asks me, I will say to her, that is literally the dumbest question you could ask. What happens? Who's ever had a bad sleep before? Right? You wake up, it's like two in the morning, and you get a drink of water, you go back to bed, now your brain's going. Your mind's ticking away, you can't get back to sleep. You're watching the clock, it's 2.30, it's 3 o'clock, it's 3.30, it's 4 o'clock, you think, oh my goodness, am I ever going to... 4.30, you think, if I'm still awake at 5 o'clock, then I'm just getting up. It's not even worth going back to sleep. 5 o'clock comes around, up you get, you know, and so you're up, you're doing something, and eventually Liz gets up, and she's had this magical sleep, and she's just like, la, 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 I sleep with earplugs, so nothing wakes me up, I even sleep through earthquakes. She's just like, poof. And I'll be like, and she'll say to me, what's wrong? And I'll say, oh, man, I just, bad sleep. You know, I got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and then went back to sleep, and I just couldn't get back to sleep. And she'll look at me, and in all seriousness, she'll say, why didn't you just try and go back to sleep? Like, what is that? How, how is, and I'm like, oh, really? And, like, I don't handle dumb well generally, but when I've only slept for like two hours, it's not good. And so I'll be like, oh, what? you know, why didn't I try? That's a great idea, Liz. There I was. I was just spent all night trying to master origami. Like, go back to sleep would have been a much better idea. But I think that's the sort of reaction I would have if someone said to me, Josh, just be strong in the Lord. I'd be like, well, great. What does that mean? You know, how do we actually do that? So what I got for you this morning is just a couple of ways uh, that you can be strong in the Lord. So let's look at the Greek. The Greek is awesome. We're going to get into the Greek. And I love studying the Greek. Sam, stop texting me. It's distracting. That was a kind thing to say, though. Thank you. So that word, finally, if we go into the Greek, and I'm not going to tell you what the Greek word is, because A, I know you don't care, and B, I cannot remember it, but it means henceforth. It means from now on, from this point in time. It means starting now. It's the sort of attitude that you have on the 1st of January when you get up and you go, I'm not going to be fat this year. From now on, I am making a resolution. I am starting from this day. Starting now. That's what the word finally means. Kind of like the opposite of what it actually says in the English. Uh, be strong. That is a Greek word that means increase in strength. 
It means to become strong, to get stronger. It's talking about a process of increasing in strength. So in our Bible, in the NIV, it says, finally, be strong. What it actually means is from this point on, increase in strength, grow in strength, become stronger. And then that last sentence, in the Lord. Now the word in, I'm going to read this to you because this is what the word in, if you take the Greek word and uh, really nut it down, it is a primary, this is going to blow your mind, a primary preposition denoting a fixed position in place, time, or state, and by implication, instrumentality, medially or constructively, that is a relation of rest, often used in compounds, this is where it gets good, with substantially the same import, but really with verbs in motion, and then not to indicate direction except elliptically by a separate and different preposition. (laughs) Hey? If that went over your head by like 20 stories, uh, another way to put it would be that it is most often translated as the word among. And it means to be in the middle of something, within something, surrounded by something, encompassed by something, to be growing or maturing in something. And that something is whatever it is that's being talked about in the verse. So in this case, it is the Lord. So if you could rewrite this verse with a little bit more of an understanding around the Greek, you would say, from this point on, increase in strength by surrounding yourself with Jesus. I love the way the Passion puts it. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. How powerful is that? I mean, the Passion, I read that and I was like, I'm buying this. So I hopped on Book Depository and I bought all the Passion translations that are out there at the moment because I was like, this is too good. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. You know, one of the ways that we get stronger in... uh, our life, is that we have to recognize that our strength comes from knowing who God is. I could stop right here, and that could be the whole series wrapped up. Our strength comes from knowing who God is. Everything in our life boils down to our relationship with Jesus. I could get up here and I could sum up any message, any series that we've ever given in the last 15 years, and I could say, it comes down to your relationship with Jesus, and it would be right. Doesn't matter what your question is, the answer is always Jesus. So if you want to increase in strength, you have to work on your relationship with Jesus because our strength comes from knowing uh, who God is. If we skip forward a little bit, um, the Ephesians 6 verse 10, it's the start of a passage in the Bible called the armor of God. It was a very famous part of the Bible. I'm not going to talk about the armor of God uh, this morning, but there was something that was really intriguing me. And I mentioned this to Lynn the other day, but it's an incredibly powerful, poetic, visual metaphor that Paul is writing. And he uses a lot of really emotive words. He talks about us battling against powers and principalities and rulers and authorities. And he talks about dark forces and evil forces and the day of evil. And he he talks about shields of faith and swords of the Spirit and flaming arrows and all this kind of stuff. He's really ramping this thing up. Now, if that were me, and I had written it, and I'd painted this picture of the ultimate battle between good and evil, and you're decked out in armor and stuff, I would have wrapped it up and said, now go forth, you know, like smite the evil one and battle and don't retreat, advance and take ground and all this kind of stuff. But Paul doesn't do that. In fact, he tells us once, twice, three times, four times, he tells us to stand, to stand. 
And I'm like, that's so weird. Like, why does he tell us, like, it's like we get all this stuff on, we're ready to go, and then he's like, now that you've done everything, just stand there. Just, I'm like, that's weird. So I was trying to, I was sort of like, God, what does that mean? Like, why, why don't we go and do all this stuff? And uh, I don't listen to Radio Rima very much anymore. I used to listen to it all the time when I was a, a younger kid. In my teenager years, I listened to Focus on the Family at 8.30, and then I listened to 6640 with Chuck Missler at 9 o'clock. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Every, every night I'd listen to it, and I'd fall asleep because Chuck Missler was not the most riveting communicator. But what he said was good, and then he went weird, but he was good for a while. Um, totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, so Radio Rim, I haven't listened to it for a long time. And then on Thursday night, I was driving home at like 11.30, and I thought, I wonder what's on Radio Rima. And so I turned it on, and I was like, that's why I haven't listened to it for the last 10 years. Blech. It was like it was like some 80s worship song in AM mono. So I turned it off, and I thought, oh, that was a mistake. And, uh, and, then, and then an ad came on, and they were like, we share our frequency with Parliament. We hope you like us better. And I was like, let's touch and go. Um, but my car has this really annoying thing where when I turn my car on, the radio just turns itself on at like a really loud volume. doesn't matter if I turned it off the night before, it just turns itself on. And so I hopped in the car on Friday, and I was literally thinking, why, why does Paul tell us to stand, stand, stand? I turn my car on, and the radio comes on, and seriously, the guy on Radio Rima, it was like 12.30, I don't know who it was, he goes, it's because spiritual warfare is about defense, not offense. And I'm like, <laughs> right? And then he read out this quote by Watchman Nee. The spiritual warfare is defensive, not offensive, because the Lord Jesus has already fought the battle and won the victory. The work of the church on the earth is simply to maintain the Lord's victory. The Lord has already won the battle, and the church is here to maintain his victory. The church's work is not to overcome the devil, but to resist him who has already been overcome by the Lord. The reason that Paul doesn't tell us to get all kitted out and then go out and take ground is because all the ground has been taken. Jesus didn't say, 95% of all authority has been given to me. There's 5% left for you guys to sort out. 99% is mine. 1% left. You guys go nut that out. 99.999. There's 0.001 for you. No, no. There's none of it. We don't have to worry about going out and claiming stuff and doing this because it's already been done. You know, the second thing that we need to know if we want to grow in strength is we have to recognize that our strength comes from knowing what God has done, not what we can do. You know, we stand because of what God has done. I think if I could get a time machine and go back to any moment in time, I would like to go back to the desert when the devil came to Jesus to tempt him. Because to me, it is like the, like what an epic face-off. Like you look at the history that those guys have had and you know the things that happened in the heavens and then you know the devil got cast down and then there was Adam and Eve and all this kind of stuff and the devil's been trying to find Jesus and wipe out the Israelites and destroy the seed and then finally he turns up in the desert and they're just they're just 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 the two of them. I think if it was possible for the whole universe to just stop, it would have stopped at that moment. And you know the story the devil says to Jesus, Hey, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus goes, mm, nah. He says, why don't you throw yourself off the temple? And Jesus goes, "Mm, nah. He says, takes him up to the mountain and says, look, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And what does he say? He says, all of these are mine. 
they're mine. But if you bow down and worship me, then I'll give them to you. And Jesus goes, mm, nah. But whose are they? Who had the authority over the world at that point? The devil did. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, what? All authority has been given. He doesn't say, I took it, I fought for it, there was a battle for it. See, we like to think, because we like to be romantic about these sorts of things, that there was this big battle and Jesus went and he kicked down the gates of hell and he's slashing and fighting and all this sort of stuff. I don't think it was like that at all. There's so much power and authority in that statement of his that this was given to him. And I think what happened is, you know, he would have turned up and I think all the devils were absolutely packing themselves. And I think he would have walked in and he would have just, and the devil would have been on his stupid little wee throne made out of blood and guts and skulls probably, you know, the way I see it. And he would have been packing himself and there was no battle, there was no resistance. He just walked in and he held out his hand and he just said, give it to me. Like, that is so much more powerful than having to fight for it. You know, Jesus didn't fight the the devil any more than I fight an ant. You know, I don't squish an ant and then go lie down on the couch. Liz comes in, what's going on? Oh, honey, I just fought an ant. Whew. It was tough, man. It was, it was touch and go. You know, there was back and forth, parrying and thrust. And it, I thought it could have gone either way at one point, but I prov- I'm just like... On Saturday when I was working on my message, I was sitting in the car, because I have to leave the house when I do it, uh, otherwise the kids just annoy me. And who's got kids? They are great. Um, And Harrison came, he found me, mostly because I sat in my car outside the house, I didn't go anywhere. So he just found me, like a detective. And so he hops in, and there's a sand fly just crawling across the, gr- the glass of his window. So he opens the door, and he goes to shoo the sand fly out, and he just smears it across the glass. And you get this yellowy gut comes out. And I was like, bro, you just killed it. And he's like, yeah. Like, yeah. I better watch that kid. But uh, that's, that was how much, he was just like, yeah, didn't even, <laughs> didn't even mean to, just killed it. That's how much power God has. It's, there's, it's not like there's even good versus evil. God's just like, oh, whoops, just... Just, just squished him. I didn't even mean to. You know, so our strength comes from knowing what God has done. Now, I know that sometimes life gets hard. Sometimes things happen that are out of our control, and we're like, what is going on here? But I want to tell you this morning that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is to just stand. When everything is falling apart around you, the most spiritual thing you can do is to just stand and say, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand any of this. I've got no answers to any of my questions. I will just stand is the most spiritual thing you can do. And uh, the last thing is our strength comes from knowing what God will do. There's this passage in James chapter 1 verse 2 uh, where James says, consider it pure joy my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds. How is it possible that, that James can have an attitude that is so resilient, so strong, that he says you should be over the moon when all of this stuff goes down in your life? And the answer to that question is in the next three words. He says, because you know. And then he goes on to list all the things that is going on in your life and in your spirit when you are dealing with these sorts of things. You know, and he says, because, you know, the trials produce character and perseverance, and perseverance, when it's finished its work, will make you complete and mature, not lacking anything. And when you understand that when you're going through stuff, 
that actually what's happening is God is making you bigger and stronger and increasing your capacity. You know, one of the things that, that I've had to deal with this year is a lot of processional stuff, process stuff. And for the first six months of the year, I didn't know how to handle it. I just thought that my life was tanking and that I just wasn't coping or having some sort of mini depressed episode or, or whatever. I thought that I must have been doing something wrong for this to happen. But then I started to learn a bit more about process, and I realized that process always precedes promotion. And when you're going through something, what's actually happening is God is saying, I trust you enough to allow this. Now, you've got to hear what I'm saying, because even James said later on in that same chapter, you know, don't say God's tempting me because God doesn't tempt people. And again, I don't have all the answers, but I do know from what I've seen that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that nothing bad happens. We all know that sometimes bad stuff happens. And I know that a lot of that bad stuff is not from God. In fact, none of the bad stuff is directly from God. But I also know that sometimes, you know, God allows stuff to happen. And I don't know where the line is and what stuff God allows and what stuff God does. And that's up to you and God. But I'm not stupid enough to say if it's bad, then God's totally against it. You know, do you know what I mean? Are you guys getting what I'm saying? You're mature adults. You understand what I'm saying. But it's when you recognize that, He's trusting you with what you're dealing with. He's trusting you to hold what you have to hold and to still stand. And the reason he's trusting you is because he has got bigger and better things for your life. And the person that you are today is not capable of handling the exciting you know, stuff that he's got planned for you tomorrow. So there's a journey that you have to go on. Uh, and once I recognized that this year, and I thought, okay, well, this just means that God loves me and that God's got some exciting, adventurous things planned for me this year, next year or the year after, whenever it might be, I started to find that pure joy that James was talking about. So, guys, three things that you need to know if you want to be stronger. One is our strength comes from knowing who God is. Number two is our strength comes from knowing what God has done. And number three is our strength comes from knowing what God will do. Are we good? That's it. That's it. Wrapped up, bow on. All right? Awesome. Up to you, Glenn. Thanks, Troy. That was good. I especially love the Radio Rima stuff. <laughs> oh, it was Southern Star, not... Southern Star, but just a disclaimer that the views and opinions of Joshua Van Berkel are not necessarily the views and opinions of Thrive Church, <laughs> but we did, but that was a great word. Let's just put our hands together for Josh this morning. Thank you, Josh, uh, for, for teaching us and also just being vulnerable and real about your journey into becoming stronger with God. I wonder if we could all just stand now. That'd be awesome. You know, um, there may be someone here today who's actually never stood on the inside. You know, you've never actually stood up into the fullness of a relationship connection with Christ Jesus. And you know, it all starts in, in, in that connection. It's in that place of intimacy. It's in a place of receiving 
God as as Father and we're as His sons and daughters, and that happens through Christ Jesus. He says that He is the gateway, and I just wonder if there's anyone here today who just wants to say, you know, Glenn, I actually want to make that step and recognize that I I need Jesus in my life. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. So just with every eye bowed right now, sorry, eye closed and head bowed. That's just summarizing. I just want to give you an invitation to receive His incredible grace. His grace covers everything, all your history, all your regrets, all your sin, all your pain. And and then God says that when that grace covers our lives, He can't even see the bad stuff. He can't see the regrets. He wants to bring healing into your life, but He doesn't condemn us any longer. We're free from feeling bad about ourselves. You know, I want to encourage anyone here today who wants to give their heart to Jesus. You know, the Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is an opportunity right now for you to just raise your hand and say, you know, Glenn, I want a taste of his goodness. So how about everyone just bow your head, close your eyes right now. Just this is your moment. If you want to just receive the goodness of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, just lift your hand right now, nice and high. Maybe you're here today and you've given your life to God before, but you want to step back into that relationship with Him. You want to step back into the fullness of His goodness and His love. Is there anyone here this morning? That's so good. That's so good. All right, I'm just going to say a prayer and you can just repeat this prayer after me and just make it your own today. God, I just thank you for your amazing grace. You can just say that. I just thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you for your love for me. And I receive your goodness today. Where there's sin, I receive your forgiveness Where there's hopelessness, I receive your hope. And today, I make you my leader. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome.